Welcome to Sunday Night Dinner, a podcast that cooks. I'm Suzanne Hancock. It was a very profound and simple question, and nobody had ever asked me that before. He said, well, what makes you happy? And I was like, huh? And it disturbed me that I couldn't think of anything, and I never thought about what would make me happy. And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, take some time and find out what that is and do that. That's Sukian Lee pondering the question that most of us bump into more than once. What makes you happy? And if you think her answer, I don't know, comes from a lack of looking or from no sense of adventure, you don't know Sukian. She makes movies, she makes radio, she choreographs dance, she's an actor, a musician. By the way, some of the music in this episode is created by Sukian, Alia O'Brien, and Sukian's partner, Adam Litovitz, for her latest movie. There's a list of songs on our website and links to the album, which is put out by Last Gang Records. Sukian is someone who's been openly looking for answers and stories since she was a teenager. And no matter what forum she's involved in, those searches are shared with an infectious spirit that makes me remember there's an infinite range of answers and all kinds of stories to learn. Right now, Sukian is the host of CBC's wildly popular radio show Sleepover, where she has a sleepover with three strangers while they try to help each other with specific problems from their lives. It's a moving and surprising show. That question, what makes you happy, comes up in Sukian's brand new movie, Octavio is Dead. One of the characters, Apostolos, asks it of Tyler in a scene that stayed with me because of its simple profundity. We should do what makes us happy. Tyler, who's played brilliantly by Sarah Gadden, doesn't really know what makes her happy, and she spends the rest of the film trying to figure out what an authentic, happy life might be. She escapes her possessive mother, played by Rosanna Arquette, to explore her dead father's apartment and finds his ghost is still living in those rooms. Her father is played by Raul Trujillo. It's a gothic romance, and it's based on Sukian's own experience with the ghost of her friend's father in Barcelona and the complexities of gender identity and desire. It's a story with joy, despair, loneliness, and connection. I talked to Sukian in her kitchen about growing up in Vancouver, her comfort foods, her family, her work, and I got to hang out with her partner, Adam, too. Her Sunday night dinner was a beef stew made in their instant pot with carrots, sweet potatoes, potatoes, and spinach, and some seriously delicious spices. It's a big bowl of comfort to feed or take a break from life's big questions. What does make you happy now, Sukin? Oh, gosh. Hmm. Well, my backyard like makes me happy. There's this really cute cat that lives next door called Grey Goo. Greg Goo makes me deeply happy. Um, I like watching movies, good movies, sometimes bad movies too. Um, I like making stuff. I like my work a lot. That makes me happy a lot. It's challenging too though. But I've been lucky to have work that makes me happy. I'm not like a chef at all. My um, oven is broken and um, yeah, so I 
I, I don't do any baking and I have a tiny little oven here that I use. So this little Instant Pot was amazing. It's sort of like a combination between a pressure cooker and a rice maker. Uh -huh. And you pretty much all you have to do is just like throw stuff in and cook it. Cook. And it cooks really fast. So there's this like a sort of large sort of, it's like a safe. Whoa. So you kind of, you know, somehow, basically it's like bombs are made out of these things. So you can I kind of understand how people would use this technology to, because like you, you have massive amounts of bone crushing pressure and heat with, um, food materials and then you know at first we we had this like instant pot recipe book that looks oh, yeah. so fancy and but then after a while we just got really lazy and we realized that it's pretty much a delicious machine so you just have to stick anything that you would like in there and it cooks and it, it and it's and it tastes equally as good so tell me about this recipe first <laughs> how did it develop well that's I mean, it's not really a recipe. It's like what Adam throws. <laughs> well, it is. Together. It is. My, I guess I my my friend uh, who is originally um, from the former USSR and then moved here when he was thirteen. Okay. Uh, went back to live in in uh, Tbilisi, Georgia, and uh, his friends who had visited him there got into these spices called karcho, which is like a mix of usko, suneli, curry, salt, coriander, ground red pepper, and saffron. So it's this, yeah, this particular spice mix that's used in a lot of Georgian food. We love it um, so much. We put it in everything. And we're like, what are we going to do when we don't have any more Georgian yeah. spice? Yeah. We just throw that in there. So what what else was the, the recipe there? Uh, just like a variety of potatoes and sweet potatoes. And you can kind of throw any veggies. Like I've done it with celery. I've done it with carrots. Done it with... Onion, so whatever, what's that, whatever's in your fridge. Sort of like whatever's in your fridge, okay. but like a lot of root vegetables, so yeah, it's hearty. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, rosemary and this Georgian spice, and then and water, and uh, yeah, you got a really nice, nice stew at the end of all that. And this instant pot, I, I must say, the first time we we used it, we didn't see this maximum line here, and we like rammed it full of stuff. And how you sort of, like, as I was talking about the major heat and pressure situation, they have a, a valve that you turn off to release the pressure. And when I released the pressure, it was a geyser that hit the ceiling. And it was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you turn this thing on and then... Yeah. How, okay, so we there's it's got this, like, little saute just, button. Uh, well, where it's like... Just oh, you can saute it right in there. Yeah. All you would need... you could, all That's all you need is this pot. Push one button. The Instant Pot was invented by Robert Wang, who used to work in the tech sector for Nortel. The pot is a combination of pressure cooker, slow cooker, rice cooker, porridge maker, yogurt maker, and steamer. Wang wanted something that would make cooking healthy meals faster, and he definitely succeeded. You can kind of make anything in it in hardly any time. This beef stew was done in about 32 minutes. Instant pots cost about a hundred bucks, and hanging out with Sukhyun and Adam made me a believer. I've always wanted something I could call a delicious machine. So right now it's sautéing, and um, it's ready for the pressure now. Actually, that's it. Okay, tell us what's happening. What's happening here is like literally all we did was like chop up some potatoes, chop up some of the root vegetables, have this beef in there, the onions and the garlic, and added water. Is that enough water? I feel like we're not 
hitting the maximum yet. It's good. I think that's the right. I'm feeling it. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Oh, ads. Yeah. Can we add uh, herbs from our garden? Sure. Okay, cool. That'll taste good. Okay. Here we are in the garden. Oh my God. It's like this magical little oasis. The only thing is the hum of the restaurant, like a block, a little ways away. That's it. But other than that, you can still hear the birds and it's really quiet. It's so quiet. How is your identification of herbs? It's pretty good. What is this? That's thyme. Do you think thyme would be good in there? Yeah, okay. thyme would be great. Yum. And that's mint. Yep. And that's rosemary. That's rosemary. Yeah. Is that a lot? No, I think that's good. Is that enough? I think, yeah, I think that's kind of perfect. Hey, Ads, look at this. I'm cutting it up. That looks legit. Legit? Or do you, like, I feel like a chef would just put the whole thing in there. You could put a sprig in. Okay. Oh, you gotta make sure it's closed totally. And so it's sealed. Boop. And then done. I grew up not far from where Sukian grew up in North Vancouver, on the base of a mountain, at the edge of the ocean, and both of our backyards were parts of the same forest. I still dream about those trees, about the shadows and the light, the moss that covered everything, and the warm mineral scent of the soil. My Sunday night dinners were popcorn and ice cream, comfort food for my parents who hated cooking, and for my dad who didn't want to go to work on Monday morning. But what about you? So you're, I'm, I'm there, and you're inland valley. Yeah, I'm inland valley. And what are you doing? And and I'm in like a Chinese Canadian family. And so when you say Sunday dinner, like I think of the Waltons, or this notion of like at the end of the week and everybody's uh, family's around, and you're having, you know, a, a large turkey you're carving or whatever like that, you know, or, or yeah. it, that that whole notion is a very alien one to me. It could be any day of the week. Um, Sunday wasn't a particularly special day of eating. Um, but, you know, I, my family were kind of in this uh, hybrid of Hong Kong, Southern Chinese, immigrants, meets, uh, you know, polyester 1970s culture and prepackaged prefab foods. So things like, you know, jello, we'd eat jello, you know, every, every, you know, and placemats and those like plastic placemats that like really stick to the, the fake linoleum table or whatever. Um, but we don't always have Chinese food, and we don't always have this thing called uh, fanju, which is like at the bottom of the, we make it, you know, rice in a pot. It's not a rice cooker, but at the bottom of the pot, you know, you'd eat all the rice, and then you ask, add water, and that would make a, a rice sort of soup. That's called fanju. Um, and so my mom would be the person who was sort of the queen of the kitchen, and she would prepare things that were kind of hybrid things. So, so you'd have like Chinese food, and then, you know, a sausage, you know, a frozen sausage. And it was very much, um, not a lot of talking, you know, it's like both parents reading the paper, kids eating food, a lot of grunting or, you know, um, like, you know, hurry up and eat or I'll, I'll hit you. You know, that kind of, <laughs> I think my mom was, um, 
she had a number. I, I don't think she was very happy being a housewife. She was a pretty talented person, but never had the opportunity. So essentially, I think she felt angry at having to be a mom and a housewife, and and she was pretty grumpy. So if you can imagine a woman very grumpy with a perm to my left, dad reading the paper to my right, my sister's across the way kicking me, all of us having to eat our food, and underlying tension (laughs) at the table. That was every night. But then, you know, all of us would divvy up the chores afterwards, wipe the table, do the dishes, dry the dishes. Mm -hmm. So in itself, there were rituals. It was comforting. You know, we'd always sit in the same spot. There was no like, well, was your week this week, honey? Well, let's get out the best china. Like I could never understand any of those kinds of rituals. I saw them on TV, like on Little House on the Prairie and the Waltons and stuff like that. But I did, I couldn't really quite relate to it. I I also loved that piece that you recently made for BBC. Oh, thank you. Um, and at the end of that, you say that that forest behind your house was the place that that brought you comfort where i grew up in lynn valley you know everybody had perfectly perfectly carved hedges and grass and white picket fences that sort of like suburban um idealism but behind every house i'm sure there was a private life drama unfolding it's just you know you just kept it you know kept it good looking on the outside and meanwhile um while everybody's trying so hard to look a certain kind of together way certainly my family was um in the back of all of our houses was this intense amazing dinosaur kingdom rainforest of supernatural beauty um and so oftentimes when things would fall apart inside my family or my family was kind of the loud family in our neighborhood there was a lot of screaming emanating from from behind you know our open windows and stuff like that so you know because my mom was uh I think she just was really struggling with some mental illnesses mm-hmm. um and my dad was not necessarily the most present person he was kind of trying to avoid her so there's a lot of upheaval inside their family so I, oftentimes I'd end up just running into the rainforest behind where I lived it's really really a uh, great comfort to me do you have that place here or do you do you find that you need that kind of comfort in Toronto these days my backyard is up for me it's it's a small um as you can see it's like a very tiny backyard but there's a beautiful um Japanese maple tree and there's um there's calm and beauty it's like a self-cleaning oven I don't have to do very much um maintenance it seems like at every time of the year it sort of grows and decays in a beautiful way You can hear the piece she made for BBC on the podcast Shortcuts, and the episode is called Into the Woods. Sukyan has been very honest about her upbringing and the fact that she ran away from home when she was 15. She lived on the street, she lived in different communal houses with artists and musicians, and that's how she found a way to make art as a means of communication. She was the lead singer of the alternative rock band Bob's Your Uncle, That's actually the first time I ever saw her performing on the street in Gastown with the band. She moved to Toronto in 1995 to become a VJ on Much Music. And in 2002, she became the host of CBC Radio 1's Definitely Not the Opera. Her first feature film, Year of the Carnivore, came out in 2009. She's also made a number of short films. She's acted in movies and on TV. 
She's incredibly creative, open, and generous. So, Sukhyan, when you left home when you were 15, yeah. what what did you eat? How did you how did you feed yourself? Oh, I I ate a lot of potatoes. So there was a period of time where it's still my favorite food. Actually, my favorite food is potato chips and French fries and anything to do with potatoes. And so uh, when I when I was living on my own as a young person, I did on a on a very meager budget. I found that you could eat potatoes in different styles. So I could like whip them up. I could boil them. I could fry them, and they would be a whole new meal. And I never got sick of potatoes. I'm always drawn to your interviewing style because um, there's some kind of reciprocity there. You're always honest about what's going on with you so that perhaps people can be honest with you about what's going on with them. I, I, think, I, I think I just really love hearing about people's lives and engaging with people. It just makes me feel more enlivened and, I don't know, it's just fun. You know, I can be really, really self-conscious, nervous, um, um, shy. Uh, I, I spent, I, I, the reason why I turned to art and telling stories is because I was very, very, became very, very shy as a teenager. I think my na natural spirit is one of extroversion and I interaction, but then I can be extremely shy as well. And I think that was uh, going through a, a great deal of upheaval. I think I found art in order to express myself. So like this idea of walking down the street and, and interacting with those that I see comes you know, now, quite naturally to me, people's lives are rich and wonderful. And um, I, I got the sense that people want to open up and talk to you. But I think that it's important that you don't just grab people's stories, that you don't just, um, you know, um, take, that you're not just a taker. Um, and so the idea of um, reciprocity is to share something meaningful as well from your own life. Um, and I think that's how you build friendships. I think that's how you build connections. In the sleepover episode, Native Child and the Full Moon, Sukhyan wanted to sleep over in an institution and Native Child and Family Services of Toronto, a children's aid society, said yes. The episode features three Indigenous youth, Jordan, Katerina, and Tegan, and in the episode we hear what life is like for them, their experiences, and challenges. It's a really amazing episode. When when I think of you and when I think of your work and when I think of what you've done, I'm I'm totally moved by the fact that you sort of move from these moments of intimacy to another moment of intimacy to another moment of intimacy. Does that possible vulnerability does it ever get tiring? Do you ever does it ever diminish you or um, does it do the opposite? Yeah, I think I realized um, in the first episode of uh, A Sleepover, Native Child, and the Full Moon, um, we, we deal with Katerina. And Katerina is a young woman who um, had an extreme extreme and painful foster mm -hmm. care experience um, since she was 12 to 17. And um, she's been through intense stuff, like intense stuff that very few children have been through. And to see her processing things 
And um, it was like water off a duck's back. She was ready to go there. She has been through intense hardship and difficulty um, and, and worked hard to understand that. And so engaging in these intimate moments for her was cathartic, was empowering. It's like it's normal. It's probably when you when you do when you when you talk with somebody who's been through war, mm-hmm. and suddenly something really intense happens, like somebody a bomb goes off, they're just gonna be ready ready for it and kind of acclimatized, acclimated to that that experience. I think probably um, you know part of the reason um, that I, I mean I I, f- I feel like I've been through war as well in a personal way, and so those those types of um, intense experiences feel they're they feel very um not normal but they're not as scary to me levels of intensity and human interaction and human experience are very very um i I, i'm familiar with those so they don't freak me out or weird me out or exhaust me they're just kind of normal my sister i lost my sister when she was in foster care Mm -hmm. and the both of us were street kids so so there there is a kind of like yeah or myself people like my uh, myself and katarina are people that have been exposed to a tremendous difficulty and um, hardship and seeing kind of people in intense and difficult places, people that we love. So I think um, maybe that those mm-hmm. those things help to sort of um, par- probably part of the reason why I'm attracted to having a meaningful connections with people. Mm-hmm. It's just feels like, hey, if, if you can throw throw it down like that, it feels just more real to me. Mm-hmm. Not that every moment has to be excruciating or tormented, um, but talking about the things that, um, you know, everybody has things that concern them mm-hmm. and things that they care about. And we're not often, you know, given that space to, like, talk about those things. been too nervous to talk to um yeah oh oh, it's ready and so what happens is as you can imagine that pressure is like a mofo in there so it's got to like sit for a while okay and like there's a natural way of like decreasing the pressure by letting it sit or you can turn this little dial which i did and it turned into a geyser the first time we used it um, but I think we should let it sit for a few minutes and then I'll slowly okay. unpressurize it. The um, person that I was, it was weird. I, I didn't even really care. It was that much music, but Keanu Reeves was in, I was interviewing him and I like, I was, the great thing about much music was it really demystified celebrity for me. Okay. He had a really very, very mediocre band called Dog Star out. And, you know, you could you could like somebody, but if you listen to their music and you're like, oh, fuck, that's terrible. You know, it sort of diminishes your excitement to speak with a person. But then in, in the presence of them, it was like, he was, he was like, what? It was suddenly verklempt. He was like, very handsome. And, um... He seemed to have this like glow off of him. I was like, I was my first time. I was tongue tied. Like, oh, the dog star. 
So that was a very, the, I think that's about the only time that I've ever, and I was like afterwards going, what the, what was I thinking? Right, right. Okay. How are we doing here? Okay. I'm going to. Oh my God. Depressurize. And then I'm going to take this, this bowl of beautiful spinach she bought. Whoa. <laughs> Good sound for radio. So right now I'm wearing, a, don't do this with your bare hand people, I'm wearing like a super coated oven mitt made out of some intense fiber that no temperature will permeate. This so does do this happen time? each time? It was a little less uh, last time I think because we added some extra carrots at the end there. We oh, were those two other extra carrots? I, w I was going to add more water too. Good thing we didn't. Oh yeah. It smells oh, good though, okay. doesn't it? Yeah, it smells, no, it smells so good. That's the Georgian spices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's pressure. Depressurization. This is what every human being has to do to in their, into their instant pot brain. Like, I feel like I've had like wow. major pressure build up in my brain for the last two years. And now I'm just gonna like do this instant pot business. Just <laughs> yeah. like turn my ear. Yeah, maybe we can do that. <laughs> do you feel do you feel relief now that Octavio is dead is is out there in the world? I feel happy. You know, you work on something and it's you care about it and you spend years working on this thing and there's mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of intensity and a lot of feeling, a lot of craft that goes into it and you never know how an audience is going to respond. What do you always read reviews? Do you ever avoid them? No, I them? don't. I don't. I don't know. I, in fact, Adam is the guy who's been like completely obsessed with reading stuff, and I'm like, um, he's like, oh, do you want to hear this? I'm like, no, not really. You know, I I think I don't need to. I think I'm. I feel happy that I've made. I feel like because I've made a work that I'm happy with, mm -hmm. that you know, I'm. I know other people will enjoy it as well. Mm -hmm. I know Sukien might not care too much about reviews, but I really liked how the review of the film in the Globe and Mail ended. Ultimately, Octavio is Dead is a gothic romance with a fevered vision all its own. Here's hoping we won't have to wait another decade to see this promising auteur's next cinematic evolution. Okay, see, as you can see the pressure, as, as would happen in your brain, if you, if you depressurize your brain and your your thoughts, soul, now it's regulated and normalized. Normalized. And nutritious. <laughs> Very nutritious. This way? Yeah. This is like a Sergeant or Lieutenant Ripley leaving the alien vessel. And look at that. Oh my god, it looks so caramelized. And then I'm going to the shove this. Add some spinach in there. Oh my god. It looks fancy, doesn't it? I think we can eat this now. Yeah. Yeah, food is such a great thing to share and like to see. I mean, it, uh, in Buddhism, the act of making a meal and sharing it is a very profoundly generative thing and generous thing. It seems to be, it's like one of the, the main things, like you can't be enlightened without like being able to share amazing food and stuff. We ate out in the backyard under a canopy of leaves 
in beautiful bowls, and we talked more about the movie and future plans and how delicious the stew was. Here's Adam doing the dishes. Yep, palm olive. Uh, <laughs> how does it feel? Feels good, yeah. Okay, if you could have Sunday night dinner with anyone from any time, who would you want to hang out with? Any one person? You choose. You can have a. You can have more people around the table. A couple people jumped out. Like just first thought. For some reason, Michael Jackson. <laughs> And then I thought, that's too absurd and ridiculous. And then I was like, well, it'd be cool to meet my dad's parents. They're a couple of one-ton makers. So they had like a, they had a boat. So they would send their kids into the streets of Hong Kong to get orders for their one-ton. And they'd just be like making one-ton in their kitchen and stuff like that. So My dad just remembers them smoking these conical cigarettes. And while they were making food, they would like lick the end of the cigarette and put it on, stick it on the wall and then keep cooking and then <laughs> grab a choke again. <laughs> I'd be like, so what is up with our family? That'd be cool. That would be awesome. With Michael Jackson. Now that would be an amazing, yeah, my dad's dead parents, my grandparents, and who ran the one-time <laughs> shop and Michael Jackson. Thank you so much to Sukhyun and Adam for making stew in their Instant Pot and for being so generous and open and inspiring. I highly recommend Octavio is Dead, so keep your eyes open for screenings near you. It opens in Calgary at the Globe Theatre on August 3rd. It screens at the Vancouver Queer Film Festival on August 10th. It'll be available video on demand on TMN September 18th in Canada, and there will be more screenings across Canada and worldwide soon. You can find updates at facebook.com forward slash Octavio is dead. Sukhyun is on Instagram at Sukhyun L, and she's on Twitter at Sukhyun Lee. Head over to sundaynightdinnerpodcast.com to find links to the movie trailer and to the Octavio is Dead original motion picture soundtrack and for the list of songs that we used in this episode. If it wasn't made by Sukian, Adam, and Alia O'Brien, it was made by the super talented J.J. Ibsen. And if you haven't already listened to Sleepover, check it out. It's amazing. It's made by Sukian, Veronica Simmons, and Michelle Macklem. Subscribe to Sunday Night Dinner on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's lots of exciting stuff in the works right now, and you can learn more by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to get updates and to see some great photos of Sukhyun, Adam, and their Instant Pot. Thanks so much for listening. See you soon.